This episode brought in part by Serverless Guru and made possible by the ever-growing and passionate Serverless community. Whether you're just starting your serverless journey, halfway through migrating your entire legacy system, or are an AWS hero, Serverless Guru can help you migrate, build applications, and train your team on best practices. With a team of front-end, back-end, and full-stack cloud developers, Serverless Guru can get you where you want to be. Welcome to the Talking Serverless Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Jones, joined today by Michael Leendo. How are you doing today, Michael? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it's, been, it's been really interesting to kind of prep for this uh, podcast episode. I, I see that you're doing a lot of stuff, so... I'm I'm trying to get uh you know some some quality content out there, uh, so I'm, you can usually find me everywhere <laughs> these days. Just trying to put something out there so that people can enjoy. Yeah, no, that's amazing, and I and I see the AWS Community Builder shirt as well. Is that is that recent or how how has that been? I have been um, I've been part of the program since the beta. So before they initially launched, they brought a couple of us in to kind of get our feel and our take on things. So. Uh, it's been really fun to see, you know, the new additions because I think we're over, I actually don't even know the number, but it's it's well into the hundreds of members now, which is really, really cool. That's awesome. Um, and, you know, something that I, I, I typically do when I bring people onto the podcast and I'm always fascinated myself as well is like, how, how did you get to tech and like, what was that journey? And like, you know, if you took us back, you know, a few years, like what, what was the initial, you know, steps that kind of brought you to uh, where you are today? Oh, geez. I have the wildest intro to tech story okay so let's let's flash back to like 20 no not even 2006 and i freshly dropped out of college i went to college for education and i just wasn't feeling it and i was just like yeah dad i mean i know that you've like funded this but i mean naz i i think i'm gonna model and he was like what um and that's that's what i did i i modeled professionally for about five to six years um just mainly in the in the Midwest, and um, speaking of where you're from, in the Texas space as well. So um, got to travel, see a lot of the country. But my agent was like, "Hey, uh, you know, what if something happens to the to the money maker? You know, what's your backup plan?" And coincidentally, uh, the big thing around that time was sort of uh, this gadget known as the iPhone. And Angry Birds just happened to be this hot game, and I was like, "You know what? I'm going to go ahead and and start building apps." And I literally just picked up a book. Uh, and struggled. And sure enough, after three months, I, I realized that I really sucked at making apps. So <laughs> I I took a stab into JavaScript and started building out web pages and got familiar that way. And sure enough, after uh, many years, and I guess I'm still learning JavaScript, nobody's ever really done, but um, I found my way into tech, into uh, lead position roles and instructor roles as well. But uh, it's been quite the journey. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that is quite a journey. Yeah, that the idea of modeling professionally, traveling around, that's um that's that's so crazy. So did it give you like a unique perspective once you started getting involved in tech and do you think that there was like some uh, potential like crossover that might be unique specifically to your experience? Between modeling and, and strictly tech, uh no. But okay. between but fortunately um, if like, if things had stayed the same between modeling and tech, then it would have been a hard no, like there's no correlation. Funny enough, what we're seeing now is that there's this shift where, uh, there's more focus put onto things like soft skills and how you can engage in front of, um, 
new members like you and I are doing right now and just sort of how you present yourself. And that's really where that whole modeling aspect comes into play. In particular, I would say in the field of like evangelism, developer advocacy and and marketing, where you really have to put your personality into a certain product. It's essentially all a model is at the end of the day, it's just a brand ambassador. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. So like uh, to dive into soft skills a bit, uh, what would you say the importance is of soft skills, you know, today in tech and where would you put that on the spectrum? It's definitely up there. And in my opinion, it's always been more of the soft skills than the hard skills. There's that sort of mantra of, you know, you can bring on someone who can code in a cubicle all day, every day, but you know, is that someone who you want on your team? And is that the sort of culture that you want to drive within your company? And more often than not, the answer is going to be, no, that's not your prime candidate. Um, certainly you'll have you know diversity amongst your candidacy and, and that might be someone on your team, but large and in, in whole, that's not going to be the makeup of, of your entire organization. You're going to want folks that can interact, talk about their problems and and be open with one another. So those, those soft skills definitely play a huge part in that. I definitely found that to be true. Uh, yeah. My own experience as well as like having good soft skills and then being able to, it almost gives you more of an ability to learn any missing like technical skills just yeah. because you get that, like that team player aspect of it. You get to be able to like mix into teams very well and like understand where people are coming from uh, and also just make a positive impact, at least emotionally and stuff uh, right off the back. And then once you have that little bandwidth, then you can start you know scaling up. And I had a similar experience to that uh, when I started at um, in Nike and then, got in there and I was like around all these like world-class developers and stuff. And I was like, Oh man. Uh, and it was just like, just show up, Ryan, you know, be like positive, try to be a team player, try to like absorb like a sponge as much as possible. Um, and then, you know, gradually, uh, I think that the soft skills kind of, you know, allowed me to get a little bit more, uh, than I probably should have. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then moving on past, uh, uh, professional modeling, um, when you said that you, you got into tech and, we're doing like front end and uh, some, I, I think I sell uh, egghead instructor as well. Uh, what is, what does that side look like? It, it sort of encompasses a lot of it where the, the soft skills are at the, the fork in the road where they meet tech. So you want to bring it all together, uh, present yourself in a way so that you can sort of distill that, that technology bit, bit into something that others can digest. And, for me, that's that's always sort of been the holy grail of what I aspire to achieve is know a piece of tech so well that you can break it down so that others who aren't familiar with it can can get up to speed quicker than you could. It's more challenging than what I thought it would be, but AKED is a great platform that guides you into um, helping you sort of broadcast that to, to others. It's been pretty fun. Yeah. So when you, when you've made these uh, courses, what have been, what has been the content uh, so far and like, what have the courses been about? Yeah. Um, shame on me. I don't have any published courses at the moment. I'm currently working with them to get uh, an AWS workshop in the works, but uh, even to get into being an AKEN instructor, it's a bit of a journey where they want to make sure that you're able to present yourself. Of course they work with you on making sure that your audio and, and your formatting is correct and aligned with what they like to put out. But the hardest thing would, mm, yeah, I'm going to say that the hardest thing is definitely getting out of that YouTube mindset where it's like, hey, folks, how are you? Michael Leando here. Uh, they're very much so like, let's get to the point. 
developers, they clicked on your, your video for a particular reason. And, and so you don't need to tell them who you are. They can look up who you are and you don't have to tell them, you know, what you talked about last time. They don't care. They clicked on you for this time. It's, uh, it's, it's been pretty fun. I still have a YouTube channel where I do that, that same old school. I'm going to put it like air quotes here, old school type of way. But I also have content where it's like, all right, this is going to be a two minute video, short and sweet, but you're going to get jam packed full of information. So it's, it definitely is a mind shift that I encourage everybody to try out. Yeah, I, I've experienced something similar to that. I, I made a course online and I found myself in the training courses being like, hey, it's Ryan, welcome yeah. to the video. <laughs> you know, it's like every video, I, every video. And then I went back and edited and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't need to say this. And I just like <laughs> cut parts of it out of like every single video that sometimes be like, as you know, we, we talked about last time and then get into like post-production. It's like last time actually got cut. So like now this whole part is like, irrelevant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so that's really interesting. Um, and that's, that's cool to hear that there's something in the works around uh, AWS workshop there. So uh, definitely stay tuned on that front. Um, and then, and then thinking about uh, some of the type of developments, like when you think about like cloud development spectrum and like mm -hmm. people are working on like web apps and mobile apps and, backend processing stuff and ETLs and big data and machine learning, where, where, where do you kind of, uh, where's like your, your area of, of focus? Certainly my niche, uh, has always been in the front end to serverless space. It's, it's a very defined niche. And, and I want to emphasize that I've spent a lot of time trying to like understand where it is that I find the most, uh, sort of gratitude and, and the ability to give back to others. And that person who is transitioning from the front end space to the serverless space, or maybe they're part of a, a large startup team, a greenfield team, and uh, they wanna get up and running with service very quickly. That is definitely where, where I've shined. I've dabbled in the whole migrating uh, EC2s over to serverless space. It just isn't quite what does it for me. Uh, shout out to, to anybody who like takes pure fulfillment in that. But I, I really do like that helping other space and having that front end mentality is what delivers that. I've been in uh, in, in serverless since uh, I guess the Alexa SDK came out. And having that as just like a quick way to get into this was, was huge for me. We can get that sort of instant feedback by saying, hey, Alexa, do something. And it would run that function. Um, so I don't know, I guess I had a little bit of influence on, on where I am today, but I, I definitely do try to spend a lot of time making sure that the content I put out is for those individuals in particular. Yeah, no, I'm, I've, I found myself in like a similar space and like thinking back to when I, when I first started working with serverless, it was actually with the, uh, like, a I think it was the Alexa SDK as well. Like we, you know, like I was in a code school and mm -hmm. we had a group project and I was like, okay, we could make a traditional web application or like make, you know, some type of like mobile app or something. And it was like, all right, but let's use, let's use Alexa. And let's just go like completely so know, off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> and it was for uh, train arrivals instead of Portland. So it would be like, you ask Alexa, like when is the next green line going to come at like this location? And then it would give you back, like, it'll be here in you know, some hopefully accurate number, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> And it was so cool. It was like that, that, that moment where Alexa talked back and it was like, wow, this is really engaging and really cool. And you mm -hmm. could just see it on people's faces, like, like, wow, this is like, you know, goes really far. And then in that process, um, you know, 
same as you got experience into what is AWS in a, in a deep way with serverless and, and how do these things work and like what is behind Alexa and, and all that stuff. And it kind of kicked off the journey. Um, and so, so that's, that's really, that's really cool to hear that we have kind of a, a similar, similar stories there. Um, <laughs> well, you were, you were more meaningful with, with your approach. Mine was just completely trying to be the laziest I could be. Uh, okay. My my journey with Alexa, just to kind of maybe a, a brief tangent, is um, I was uh, consulting with our local chamber of commerce and helping them sponsor some some meetup events. And every day they would have individuals sign up to um, take part in these in these online meetups, and then uh, back then in person meetups, if we can remember what that was like. So the uh, the cool thing was that I had Alexa. Um, well, I, I piped in a CSV to Alexa and I would be like, hey, Alexa, go ahead and convert this to um, a, a JSON format. So that way I could go ahead and put it onto a web app. And and sure enough, that was what I ended up doing. It wasn't so much as like the interaction. It was just me telling Alexa to do something and then running some automation. Uh, so just purely like just trying to make my life easier and simpler uh, just for myself. It wasn't quite as like helping the masses on public transportation that you had. Oh yeah, no. It's uh, I've I've had um, we did a, a chatbot a long time ago where we did something similar to Alexa, and it was pretty much just that. It was like if they say map, <laughs> yeah, then show the map, you know. And it was like it did well enough for you know just a simple use case. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how has that like expanded once you started uh, doing that stuff and getting your feet wet with it? Um, what were what kind of followed on uh, after that? Yeah, it's I I want to make sure that maybe folks listening to this understand like my journey in particular, it was very front end focused. So even though I had um, Alexa like in my, in my pocket, which introduced me to Lambda, it was still at the end of the day, like that's considered front end technology. You, I mean, VUI. So your visual user interface is still a, a guiding principle there. But my, my transition was, all right, well, let's go ahead and maybe extend Lambda. Let's see what else we can do. Does it have to be in Alexa, or or can I go ahead and use it in conjunction with um, in, with S three? And so I started to put my simple websites together, sort of the the hello world of serverless is like let's get a static website up and running uh, with uh, Lambda S three, and then we'll slowly integrate working in a database, and we'll slowly integrate putting an API layer on top of it, and then last but not least, we'll add on some authentication with Incognito. And and that was pretty much my my safe space for I want to say maybe a year and a half of like I just got super familiar with handling that. So when when it comes to when it comes to that and it comes to like the front end space and then how you hosted that static web host I want to say that I looked on your YouTube channel uh, Focus Otter for those who don't who don't know it I think I saw something around Amplify how how big of a role has Amplify been and kind of. Uh, you know, your journey so far? Is it something that you're excited about still? Is it something that you kind of did for a little bit and now you're doing something else? It's been pivotable or pivotable. It's been, a, it's made a huge pivot in the way that I was able to, to get up and running on these static sites. Prior to, even, even with infrastructure as code, you always have to run uh, these, these same commands. And back then I'm just working in the console. So I'm literally clicking around uh, at this point, blindfolded because I've just done it so many times. But whenever I tried to help somebody else get up to speed, I had to first bring them to that standpoint of, do you understand Lambda, S3, API Gateway, et cetera? 
However, with Amplify, I was like, okay, we're going to go ahead and download this CLI. And for those of you that aren't familiar, Amplify is just a way to uh, abstract some of the automation things that you would do in AWS. So through this CLI, I'd be like, hey, we're going to go ahead and add storage. And I wouldn't have to explain DynamoDB to them or even mention that this is a database that we're adding. It's like, we're going to add some storage here. Um, and then if we wanted to maybe add in images, I would say, yeah, we're going to go ahead and add in some more storage. And it was just sort of this, this sort of entity that we could shape and mold in a way that fit our front-end developer brains. Uh, and, and it just made things super easy to explain. And, and with that, it made it easier to teach. Because if I wanted to host a static website, I would just say, all right, we're going to run this CLI command. It's going to be called Amplify Add Hosting. And whoever I was sort of onboarding at that time, whether it be myself or somebody else, I wouldn't have to explain or, or get too deep in the weeds on what was happening behind the scenes. It was just trusted that some AWS developer had already gone through all the pain points that I had gone through uh, to help scaffold things out. So it's been huge in, in my sort of developer experience of things. That's really interesting what you said around like, you know, trusting an AWS developer that, that already built this automation. And, you know, to a large degree, it's kind of what we've done with, you know, just like cloud in general. And, you know, first it was like virtual machines. They were like, okay, we're going to trust AWS yeah. engineers. They're better at, you know, setting up and hosting these virtual machines than, you know, than we are running our servers and just tapping into that. And then what you're kind of describing, uh, which is which is very interesting, is like uh, now we're relying uh, in almost like in a serverless way to AWS developers to kind of handle even more of that abstraction process. Mm -hmm. Um, do you see that being uh, like a a future trend that's going to keep getting expanded on? The yeah, I, I do. The level of abstraction that AWS is currently providing just seems to be layers and layers on top of itself, which is great because one of the chief complaints is that AWS has so many services within its ecosystem that it's it's hard to pick which one because oftentimes we have competing services. So as AWS sort of I guess listens to their customers and and layers their own services together. We don't have to nitpick about which ones we're using, and the more they can do that, the better off we'll be. Obviously, there's more opinions when you do it that way, but uh, the cool thing is that I don't see whenever you use one of their services that is an abstraction. They typically don't paint you into a black box. So if you're using Amplify or Sam, for example. Uh, if it doesn't work out, well, those services are still yours. You still have access to them under the hood. Uh, with Amplify, if it's creating uh, an S3 or um, an S3 bucket, you can still dive into those services and modify them to your liking. With AWS SAM, if those um, serverless models aren't working for you, you can still dive down deeper into CloudFormation and work with it that way. So it's, it, I do appreciate the fact that they do that. And, and yeah, I do see it as a growing trend that they'll continue to do. Awesome. Yeah, and I, and I also saw that, uh, shout out to Jonathan, who's our, our marketing uh, manager yeah. that helps us with some, some prep. He, he posted a GitHub link that you had where I think you, I believe that you created an AWS Amplify plugin. I wasn't even aware they had plugins. So like, could you talk through what AWS Amplify plugins are and kind of what you uh, helped create? Yeah, for sure. For me, that was just sort of a, a teaser on what could be possible with Amplify. There is a, a couple other plugin authors that I've, I've tried to work with to put out more and more. But uh, for me in particular, this was sort of when Amplify first came out. 
what I found myself doing was consistently reaching for the documentation and, um, and using the Amplify CLI itself. So if I forgot how to add or update authentication instead of Amplify, I'd have to go to the browser, look through the docs. And instead of doing that, I created a, a plugin, which is just another extension that I could bolt on to Amplify itself. So that way um, somebody could say, hey, Amplify, um, what was it? What was the command? Amplify docs API. And that would take me straight to the documentation site for the API section of Amplify. And through the use of options, you could also pass in things like Amplify docs uh, API dash dash React or Angular. And it would take you to the corresponding documentation section for those services. It, it can be a little bit tricky because now you're keeping up with like, you're dependent on the docs. It's like web scraping, right? It's like as soon as they change it, your application can can break. But the, the benefit of doing that is that it allowed me to sort of get an inside scoop into the Amplify team, where if they saw that I was maintaining that plugin, I had a direct link now to go ahead and chat with them. Say, hey, are there any upcoming features that you might be adding to the docs? Uh, can we maybe chat about it? And it allowed me to get very close to the team and even get a preview into some upcoming features that weren't publicly available yet. No, that's amazing. And I think that, that that's probably a good uh, segue into another topic, which is uh, what is it like being an AWS community builder and being close to these teams? Uh, and what is it like on the, you know, the other side of the, of the Slack channel, the, you know, the <laughs> AWS community Slack, Slack channel that has like all the, the major people that are, you know, on Twitter and all that stuff. Yeah. It's intimidating. Right, you're in a side by side chat room with uh, Nader Dabbit, who isn't with AWS at the moment, but he still has such a huge influence. Or James Bezik, who just puts out amazing quality content on serverless itself. Or um, you know, shout out to oh my goodness, I only know him by his Twitter handle, um, Corey Corey Quinn. Oh yeah, and um, and it's just like these amazing influencers. And then like, here I am. I'm just like, well, I, I made a new blog post, folks. Hope you like it. <laughs> but it's it's just really cool because you get to pick their brains. You get inside information into stuff that isn't available just yet. Obviously, like some of that stuff is under NDA, but um, you also get perks and benefits. I mean, I think I'm just repping it because it's just what I wear. But I mean, like we have this like community builder shirt and community builders mug. And they just ship you out all of that good stuff. Uh, there's tons of benefits. I mean, AWS credits get thrown your way. So that way you just have free reign to build. And you can also ask folks, which is probably the biggest benefit of all, is that if you get stuck on something, you now have this huge pool of individuals with extreme knowledge that you can just sort of tap into. And, and everybody's sole purpose is to build up the community. So there's a pretty good chance that you're going to get some feedback right away. Hmm. Yeah, to kind of like stitch two different topics together is have like soft skills and you have like the community aspect of AWS. Do you feel like building a community and the way that AWS is going about that with the community builders, do you think that that's going to play like a, a like a, a critical role in like this whole like cloud, almost like cloud wars that we have going? Like, how, how do you think about that? I've always felt that the, as long as you can have developers on your side, uh, your, your service is, is in a keen spot to win. I think that even on the front-end space, there's there's no shortage of arguments that folks debate on when it comes to front-end technologies. But there's a huge spot saying that, hey, maybe Vue is better than React. And I mean, I'm biased because I've 
worked in React for so long that I, I love it, but I've spent enough time in Vue to be like, why isn't this the, refra- the framework that we're using? Uh, but I think a lot of it is just developer support. Like we have an ecosystem of developers that are built around React applications. So it'd be really tough for another framework to come into place when there's already so much so much being managed in that regard. And the same is key for when you talk about AWS. If you have a huge amount of developers that are supporting your infrastructure and they're putting out content in the community, it's going to be really tough to migrate all of us over to your new service. And I mean, shout out to Azure and, and Google. They're doing a great job. It's just that AWS had the leg up from the get-go. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see like what this uh, this effect has and like long-term uh, for AWS as it keeps expanding. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, I, I think kind of like switching topics almost a little bit. Uh, I almost wanted to drill back into your YouTube channel and uh, Focus Otter again. Uh, and what, what is the... Like what led you to starting it? I know we kind of talked on a little bit and also uh, what is your plan with it uh, moving forward? Yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely my weakest um, aspect of social media branding, but just because it's gone through so many different twists and turns, I uh, wasn't posting regularly at the beginning, but I was posting quality content. And then I was trying to get views up. So then my uh, what, what suffered was the quality that I was putting out. I was just playing a numbers game. And it wasn't until I was reading about um, Jonathan Stark and in his books about, you know, it's just quality at a consistent rate. And I mean, he's big on like the whole don't pay for hourly billing, hourly billing, pay for, you know, your, your services. I was like, well, let me go in and define myself. So I had this focus outer idea which was just like a Google search of like what I wanted to stitch together. But uh, it allowed me to take myself out of the picture because everything was previously under Michael Leando. And I found that that was my big blocker. I, d- I didn't feel comfortable getting a camera and saying, hey, this is Michael Leando. I needed to remove myself from the equation so that I could focus that much more on my content. Once I did that, funny enough, like it just took something... It just plays like a trick on my mind. I was like, okay, cool. I can go ahead and put out fresh content about uh, material that whoever asked for and and just try to help them as an individual. And it's, it's been pivotal. I put out uh, a tweet saying, hey, what are, your, what, what are your frustrations in working with AWS? And a hundred folks got back to me and I went through each and every comment, categorized them, and I made a video saying, let me go ahead and address your individual questions and I'll do my best to answer them. There were things like, why, why does AWS have so many services? Uh, or why is the billing so difficult to understand? And I don't work at AWS, but I just did my best to answer them to the best of my ability. And I think that they appreciated that I took their actual tweets and put them in the video. So it was like I was talking to them directly. It's been huge. It's been great. It's a challenge because I'm just horrible at editing, but it, it does give me something else to branch out to and get better at. So it, it does at the end of the day, help out the community while increasing my skill set. So oh, sort amazing. of, a, yeah, a long winded answer to say it's going great and I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, totally. Um, and then when it comes to that, that type, type of content, now that you've seen having the tweets inside of the, uh, asking the community, using that community feedback, including it in the videos, is that the type of stuff that you want to keep expanding on? 
I, I do like it, but I think I want to focus more on tutorials and every once in a while doing like a Q&A. I think that format works best for me. Uh, I do appreciate other developers and, and enthusiasts who can just go in and, and just speak to their audience regularly. I think that would consume too much of my time if I did that. Uh, rather, I, I really like diving deep into a piece of technology, breaking it out and saying, oh, well, from this project, I can carve out three separate YouTube videos and deliver that to my users. So um, I think a, a good example is right now I'm building out a game where you can play sort of online with anybody and connect with them um, and, and play things like tic-tac-toe and connect four. It's fairly trivial, but it does encompass a lot of different things to consider. So I'm, I'm building it out with Amplify. And with that, I'm showcasing, well, how do you have users with unique usernames? Because the way that Cognito works is uh, your emails can be unique, but usernames are a bit tricky. So how do, how do we do that? Well, you need sort of to understand Cognito triggers and there's pre-sign up and post-confirmation triggers that go along with that. And uh, you sort of take it from there. Yeah, so to touch on the, the idea behind that, when it comes to how you learn and how you how maybe the best way to deliver that type of information, uh, do, you, do you, you follow the kind of project-based learning uh, aspect or is there a different methodology that you follow uh, when trying to learn new topics or or even or teach new topics. Yeah, definitely. Shout out to Natter Davitt once again on how much of an influence he's had on me in particular. We met up at a conference and ever since that moment, we've we've sort of chatted here and there behind the scenes. And I call it the Nadirian approach where uh, he will build a project. And this is just sort of what I do as well now is um, to, to learn something. He will first build a project and then he'll write about it. And then he'll make a video about it. And then he'll build up a little bit more um, after he's made it open source. So there's this constant cycle of here's something I made. I'm going to put it out in various formats, which means that I need to be better at writing. I need to be better at video making. And it's still just one project. And when it's all said and done, I'm going to go ahead and make it available, uh, the code available to everyone so that I can make it better and sort of repeat the cycle from there. Because you're going to get people saying, hey, did you know that you could do it this way? Well, great. Thanks for showing me. I'm going to go ahead and create some more content so that other people are aware of that as well. And doing that is it's super time consuming. Uh, don't get me wrong there, but it is by far for me the best way to get that cemented in my brain. Because too many times I've been in like YouTube or tutorial hell where it's like, oh yeah, I listened to that 10 minute video. I definitely understand everything that's going on now. Like, no, you, you got to build with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, there was a, a shout out to neighbor David, um, for, for kind of being the, I, I look to him as well when I'm like trying to figure out how to approach different things. I know that he's now in, I believe he's in the, like the Ethereum blockchain space, which mm -hmm. he's just like made that transition, which killing is so cool it. to watch. Yeah. <laughs> just completely killing it. And, and I had something where it was uh, building the course and then it was, it was super, I felt like, oh man, this is so long winded the way that I was tackling, like trying to teach people how to use Lambda. And it was like, cause normally in my day to day and, and probably same for you, it's like, we're at the point now where it's like infrastructure is code. Let's use like some more advanced like frameworks or tools because we've been doing it for long enough. But then I was trying to like, okay, well, how did I learn it? And I was like manually in the console. And so the, the videos are like super like long. It's like, 
manually in the console. We have to like save it manually. There's no cool CLI <laughs> command and all that stuff. But then I got feedback that it was actually helpful. So I didn't get that feedback for quite a while. So there's a few months where I was like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> they hate Hopefully. it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh. And that's kind of like, it's interesting because it's, um, I talked to somebody else and they talked about uh, learning in public. Do you, do you follow that, that, that kind of uh, thinking as well? Like putting yourself out there and if you want to learn a topic, you're learning the topic almost and, and sharing it as well as you're going, as you're going through it. I'll be honest here that I respect folks that can continuously do it. I go in bursts where, um, and, and I think a bit of that is just maybe I see myself, it's weird because I've been in this space for a couple of years now, but I still see myself amongst these giants. And, and so putting myself out there can be a bit intimidating uh, for me at times where it's, I, I mean, imposter syndrome at its, at its finest. So for me, it's, it's burst where I will pick a, a core piece of technology that hasn't been explored yet. And then I'll go ahead and, and blast my learning experience there. But if I'm learning something where in my vacuum of the internet, I feel like a lot of folks have already been talking about, then I'm a little shy on on putting that content out there because I feel like I'm going to, I mean, what's going to happen is I'm going to put it out there, folks are going to correct me, and then I'm going to learn faster. That's the, the actual part of it. What I think is going to happen is I'm going to put it out there, folks are going to correct me, and then I just look like a fool in front of everybody. But that's that's never the case. And I, I want to make sure that people understand it's just imposter syndrome, and you should definitely try to learn as public as much as you can. Yeah, and so I guess uh, you know, kind of getting towards the the end of this uh, this awesome podcast episode we've got going. What advice would you give to new people that are trying to get started in cloud development or with AWS or even with serverless? I would say keep in mind that AWS has over two hundred services. You're gonna want to find your niche, and I think the best way to do that is to build something that you already have. If you have a resume, try to make it serverless. If you have a website, uh, try to migrate those services over to AWS. And in doing so, you're going to realize that when it comes to serverless technology, sure, there's a bunch of cool services that we can use. But more often than not, we have like the same, I don't know, five to 10. Um, Jan Choi says that there's 10 services that he always uses. I'm going to say that there's probably five to eight services that I always go to, in which case you're going to want to find your, your own path, but keep in mind that there's only going to be a handful out of that 200 plus that you're going to be reaching for. And when you sort of narrow it down to that, don't be afraid to, to ask for help and, and don't be afraid to put yourself out there, whether it be a blog post or a video, just to document your learning. Because at the end of the day, you're, you want to help yourself first, as greedy as that might sound, help yourself first with the notion that others can also learn from you. Because I think there's no greater feeling than being stuck on a problem, looking for a solution, and pulling up your own piece of documentation that you've written. It's the greatest feeling. So there's yeah, my advice. No, that's, that is amazing. That's amazing advice. And um, yeah, for those listening that actually follow through on it, I've I've had that happen where like I'll write something and then like uh, six months later, I'll be like looking it up and I'll be like, oh man, <laughs> I should have remembered this, but good thing I made a video about it. Yep. Um, yep. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, anything to, as we, as we wrap up, anything that you want to shout out, uh, any promote, do you have any uh, things coming up that you want to make people aware of? Yeah, I, I appreciate the, the shout out on the YouTube video. Definitely go ahead and, and like and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, Focus Otter, you can find me there. Definitely big shout out to the AWS Communities Builders program. It's allowed me to connect with awesome folks like yourself uh, and with other community members as well. And I, I think that's it. Just keep on building. 
have a great time and then try to put yourself out there as much as you can. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for being a guest, Michael. It was great to have you on. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. You guys take care. All right. And to those listening, this has been the Talking Serverless podcast with Ryan Jones. If you like our show and want to learn more, uh, check out Talking Serverless IO or please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And of course, join us next time as we sit down with another fantastic guest.